Hello everyone and welcome to part one of the Uninformed Handball Hours gigantic EHF Euro 2022 preview. Now before we go into the actual preview itself which was streamed on Monday evening on the home of Handball Switch channel, just a quick disclaimer I guess you could call it because Unfortunately, our colleagues in Budapest who were running the stream had some pretty dire connection on the internet, particularly in the first half of it. So what we've done is we've broken up the stream into three parts. We've taken the best of what we had and, you know, we lost some bits, but, you know, it wasn't that bad after all. So, for example, Dragon Gaich, we hear half of what he says, but we thought in the end the best thing to do would be to to patch it up as best we can and give you a decent audio output in the end which is an important thing for a podcast so this is part one where we look over groups a and b then on wednesday we'll have c and d and e and f in the third part enjoy and catch you on the other side We're going to go through all six groups over the next three hours or so, depending on how much uh, chat we can uh, contribute over the next couple hours. And we've got a bunch of guests coming up as well, which we'll go over shortly. But I think first, for those of you who are not uninformed handball hour fans, we can introduce ourselves. I'm Chris O'Reilly. We've got Brian Campion over to my right. Hello, Chris. Good to be here. Very excited about the Euro now. You look really excited. <laughs> Looks and sounds very excited. <laughs> I think I'm a bit more excited than Brian. Uh, I'm excited to go through each group. <laughs> Can you give us a bit of an insight, Brian? Why, why, why the nerves here? Is it because you're going to Bratislava? Yeah, I have an early start tomorrow morning off to Bratislava. So I still haven't done my packing for the Euro. So I'm a little bit nervous about uh, getting it all done in time. Good stuff. Now, uh, as I promised, we're going to have a bunch of big guests coming up over the next couple of hours as we go through each of the groups. And I've got my cheat sheet in front of me here. Coming up, we have Dragan Gajic, we have Marcio Menino, we have Dragan Jukic, Zika Bogdanovic, Konrad Vilchinski, Ole Erevic, and Nedzad Smilagic coming up over the next three hours. And uh, But first, one of the main reasons why we're here is because we're going to try to predict every single game from the preliminary round. Yeah, it sounds mad. And uh, as we went through it, we realized that it's a very, very difficult task. And so the reason we're doing that, though, is because we're going to invite you, the fans, to take part in a prediction competition with us on the Home of Handball app. So everyone, head on over to the Home of Handball app if you have it. If you don't have it, Make sure to download it on your phones, available pretty much everywhere. Download that and uh, take a look at the Prediction Game app. We're going to have our own private competition as well for the Uninformed Handball Hour. Uh, there's been some talk about the three of us also having some kind of bet going on for the loser of it. Uh, maybe we'll have to talk about that later. Any suggestions for what the loser has to do? Some kind of forfeit in the chat. Uh, you're welcome to, to do that. And we also have a big giveaway. Uh, today on the show 
where what we want you to do is to predict your champions for the HF Euro 2022. Just put it in the name of the team that you believe will be the champions. And at the end of the show, we're going to choose one of you to get a signed jersey from that team. So something big to uh, take part in live over the next few hours. But uh, before we go into our first guest, we can talk a little bit about the, the championship itself and maybe uh, see what we're all looking forward to most. And Alex, you said you were hyped already for this championship. What are you so excited about? Well, let me just start with uh, maybe going into the predictions. So we, we sat down and wrote the scores for every single game of the preliminary round. And I don't know about you guys, but my view on the championship changed when I was looking game by game. So I was like, okay, these are the top three teams, top two teams in this group. These will come out real easily. And then I started going through one by one. And suddenly a team kind of drops out of my top three, it drops down, um, which really proves how tight each game is. Um, and I think that's what's exciting. I think it's one of the most open championships uh, we have seen in a long time except for maybe one really big favorite. Big, big favorite. You have to consider as well all of the the injuries and the uncertainty that a lot of squads have coming into it, which we're going to go into detail as the we go through the groups because a lot of the squads, nobody really knows what the final squad is going to be. Uh, and that throws in a whole new spanner in the works, particularly when you're trying to predict things early on. How about you, Brian? Yeah, I think it's really, really difficult. I think for me, going into it, it looks like that Denmark were the strongest in the, the running. But I, from experience and going to these events for a few years now, it's very, very dangerous to get sucked in by those f- friendly results or friendly tournament results. Because once the Euro starts, we know that anything can happen. So Denmark looking good so far. And after that, I think it's very, very open. Yeah, and I looked back at our uh, predictions for Euro 2020 where uh, we tried to predict a top three and each one of us had Norway as the gold medalist, as a clear favourite, which maybe gives a bit of insight into our uh, capabilities as predictors, but also just tells you that, you know, the, the pre-tournament favourite isn't, you know, isn't all set. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it looks like we have our first guest who's almost ready to join us, and that's going to be uh, Dragan Gaich. We'll speak a little bit more about him and with him shortly. But before we go into that, let's have a look at Group A. And Alex, you're the man who's going to lead us through the journey of Group A. Group A has the team that we just talked about, the uh, the big favourites, Denmark. And beside them, we have Slovenia. North Macedonia and Mont- Montenegro, who may be a little bit of the outsiders in here. Um, we will focus the next little bit of a chat on the Slovenian team. We'll have Dragon Gajic joining us for that. We mentioned it there before with the one of the potential dangers being uh, in defense and lacking a bit of height and weight i mean there, there are some players particularly line players where they have that power but traditionally with the slovenian team we've also seen the backcourt in uh, attack also being known more for their speed and their skill rather than their their pure power but we have borod machkovshek who, who seems to be in very good form at the moment for the club team 
and uh, he he's going to be a key player, I guess, for, in that in attack in the left back position. We will always find a solution because uh, technically we're great players. Uh, tactically, we have great players, so I'm not really afraid about uh, attack. Uh, I'm also sure that Borut uh, will take more uh, responsibilities in attack with the long shots, just to open a little bit the defense. So then our middle backs and uh, Dolenets uh, have more uh, more space to create a good game. He's gonna be important, but uh, he's much more important to take a big responsibility in defense. I'm talking about Machkoshek uh, with uh, Blagutinshek, so they could so they can create this big wall in the middle uh, to make it difficult for the other teams. Because we have a great wings, left and right, we have great wings uh, who will run like uh, crazy and uh, I'm sure score a lot of, uh, let's say, easy, easy goals if we play good defense. And looking at the group, so obviously there is Denmark in there, which is going to be a, a huge challenge. But the, first, looking at the other two teams, so between North Macedonia and Montenegro, do you see one of those teams uh, really pushing Slovenia uh, in the preliminary round? I think both of them. I think Slovenia is... I'm not. We're not going to speak about Denmark because uh, we all know what Denmark is uh, today in uh, world handball. So... <laughs> Uh, but for Slovenia, I think both teams can do can do damage. You know, Slovenia is not a team who will come to the game and say, "Okay, we're gonna win this one." I think the worst opponent to open a championship uh, could be Macedonia because at the beginning of the tournament they, they are fresh, they're not, but they are playing really good, and I'm sure Lazaro will prepare them tactically really good. So I think the the most difficult one is uh, this one against uh, Macedonia. If Slovenia is going to open good, uh, then then everything's going to be good. But if if we don't start good, then everything can happen. Same is uh, same goes for Montenegro. Um, maybe the best thing I think they play the third game against Montenegro. They will see them. They probably Montenegro will be more tired because they don't have so much rotations. Uh, in reality, we are better than both of them. But uh, on European Championship, you have to prove it in 60 minutes. And what about a game like no, you... Denmark? Historically, so for in your experience, when you've been going into a game against a really top team in a championship, how do you mentally prepare for that? And kind of how do you make yourself believe that you can win that game? Don't go to European Championship if you don't believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's no, but it's true, you know. Uh, when you when you're there, you just have to fix your mind that uh, you can do it. Do your best. These these games are the easiest games, let's say. We all know what Denmark go hard, make uh, make game physical. Uh, that was always our motto: try to try to make game as physical as possible with a lot of contact, with a lot of. Uh, nine meter fault so uh, they don't have this easy ball running around the defense and that's it uh, if they run you run so you have to believe it you have to prepare yourself mentally and especially if they win first game which i believe they will against north macedonia i'm sure that they will uh, that they will do a good 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 game against denmark and how is it for you dragon uh, you've been to multiple euros and multiple world championships for you to be not at this time and to be sitting at home supporting the guys, is it a bit surreal for you? Uh, you know, since 2016, when I 
let's say, stopped a little bit for national team. Uh, it was quite good, you know. Uh, I'm getting older each year. <laughs> uh, last year I came back with one really big objective to to try to come to Olympic Games. I didn't make it, so uh, yeah, I think uh, if Slovenia has something, uh, they have middle backs and right wings. So uh, <laughs> somehow I got used. Uh, yeah. Somehow I got used to it. Uh, to sit at home, uh, to be with my family, and especially to prepare good for the second part of the season uh, uh, physically. So maybe I can play two years uh, longer than uh, than I should. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, then Dragon, uh, we just want to uh, ask you. The question that nobody wants to answer at the very start of a championship. I want you to give us first, second, and third place for the whole championship and your MVP prediction. Ooh, I'm going to say Denmark is going to win it. I think France will be in the finals. And uh, I, I, I cannot decide maybe between Hungary and Slovenia. I have to. I have to say. I have to say Slovenia. You know, I have to put them up. So, so let's say Slovenia and the MVP is gonna be MVP is gonna be. I think Mikkel Hansen. Solid choice. So he's still got it. Choices. There's someone. There's, uh, there's someone in the comments here. Dragon saying, uh, "Gajic can't stop Gitzel." I don't know if you have a bit of a history with Gitzel. I don't know. Is there something there? I don't know. He's a really, really good player. He's a really good player, but. Uh, you know, now he's not coming from uh, anonymous. Now he's the big guy. Everybody's going to prepare uh, for him, and uh, let's let's see how he's going to make it uh, on uh, in the on the pressure. You know, but I, I really believe he's he's going to be one of the best uh, right backs in the world in a few years. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh, he's a special special talent, that's for sure, and uh, already established himself at the age of twenty-two, which is uh, incredible. Dragon, we'll, we'll let you go and uh, get a shower after training. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this. Sorry about the technical problems, but I think we're getting there slowly uh, when it comes to the internet. I uh, hope you uh, stay healthy and enjoy the championship from home. Thank you guys also for the invitation. Wish you good luck and uh, see you soon. We have one of the biggest talents in Europe, I think, with Doman, and he's Slovenian, so I'm happy as a coach. I'm ready for this role, to lead the national team, it's a dream now, so why not? He's a talent, but he's a little bit more than talent, you know. This summer in the European qualification games, he got big responsibility from me. And he took it, and I'm really, I was really happy to see that he was mature to take such a responsibility in such important games. I'm prepared, uh, I have... Uh, support from my teammates and uh, I believe in them. We believe together and uh, hope in the next championship we get some medal or gold. I was always dreaming about playing for Barca. I think all the young players, they want to play for Barcelona. So yeah, I made my dreams come true. So I'm really happy and proud. Now I'm enjoying playing there. Playmakers in Slovenia, they're really intelligent. They know handball. And if they didn't, I don't think it would be possible for them to play as a playmaker in that high level. And I just need to say two words maybe and they understand it.
Yeah, the new generation is coming now. We mixed a little bit our squad. We are looking in the future, so I think and I hope in a few years we can achieve some big results. Uh, we have some experienced player, so why not? I think for some reason we started talking about Matthias Gitzel with uh, Dragon Gajic and ignored the amazing talent that Slovenia have themselves in Doman Makic. And I didn't even put him on as a key player in the group, but I think all <laughs> of us know that <laughs> I think all of us know the the talent that he has, which he's been try you know, he's been really showing this year with Barcelona. Um, Barcelona lost a couple of key backcourt players and Makuch has been able to step up. And it's really interesting to see if he can really take a leadership role within the Slovenian team and whether he'll be allowed to do that. Um, seeing as, you know, uh, Slovenia are a team of playmakers and displacing Dejan Bombats is a feat in itself. So do you think Makic is going to have a key performance in this championship? You know, this season with Barca, he, he's been given an opportunity that I think he didn't expect himself through injury to, to take on a role. Definitely given him uh, the, I guess, the tools and the experience of doing that at a major championship. And of course, playing the Champions League where uh, you're with Barca and most of the time you're winning games uh, fairly easily is is one thing and, and playing in a championship with Slovenia is another but I have a feeling that you know there's no pressure on him coming into this because there is such an array of talent in that Slovenian squad and particularly in the playmaker position maybe he'll play a little bit in that left back role as well as um, it's quite it can be quite a fluid thing playing uh, center and left back uh, for teams like this and, and maybe he'll have to fill in there so yeah, I think he'll he'll get his chances. I don't think he'll be uh, there'll be too much uh, weight on his shoulders in that regard. And and maybe when he does get his opportunities, it's whether he can actually make the most of it. Uh, because you know, time when you've got the likes of Dan Bombach there, uh, who is on your key key player list, Alex, that it, it's difficult to displace him. Now we will probably go on to the big dogs in terms of Slovenia. We did uh, talk a lot of. Uh, Dragon Gaich, and it will be interesting to see if they can continue um, their improvement under uh, Lubia Varanias. But to do that, they'll have to take on the big dogs, the big, big, scary Vikings from Denmark. I never dreamed this could be so wild uh, a journey for me. Three years ago, I was uh, still arguing with my coach in, the, in my home club uh, that I was good enough to start and, uh, and wasn't allowed. So yeah, it's been an amazing journey for me the last, uh, last year. To, to the World Championship in Egypt, I was just a, a little unknown guy in, uh, in Denmark who just could live my own life and after 14 days in Egypt my life turned a little bit and when I stepped out of the plane in, uh, in, uh, in Copenhagen, it was a, a new life uh, which I was not uh, prepared for uh, and it mentally broke me down. 
it's also tough to to tell about his, uh, your problems in a, a little bit macho world uh, like a handball and football is. When people comes to me and said that I have the same or I have seek help because of you because you did it and uh, it makes me a little bit proud of myself. with the, the bit fat the cross on, the, on our back at the team uh, who everyone uh, wants to beat. Uh, so we know there is a lot of pressure on us, uh, but for us it's just uh, uh, still a handball. Uh, we have uh, Niklas Landin, Mikkel Hansen, Lasse Sven, Rasmus Lauke, Mads Mensa, uh, experienced guys. Uh, they, they have to take the pressure. You just be uh, Matthias. Yeah, what an absolutely incredible story that Matthias Gitzel has been on uh, the last year or so. I mean, he said it himself. He went from a nobody to almost being a household name in handball. And not only that, I think he's one of the nicest handball players to watch. I think at this stage, you should almost trademark that spin he does. Um, and every time you see him scoring a goal on uh, on on social media, people have views in the hurricane uh, emoji. So maybe he should think about incorporating that into his identity a bit. But Alex, you're probably our in-house Denmark specialist. And I said it at the top of the hour that they probably look the best in the friendlies coming into uh, the Euro. Can that be a bit of a curse sometimes to some teams? I think looking at the friendlies is probably um, not the way to go, especially with the kind of disrupted um, preparation that each team has had. So even that game between Denmark and Norway, where Denmark really blew Norway out of the water, it was 35-25. It looked like they they made uh, one of the best teams in Europe look like chumps. But I just wouldn't look at that game yet. Um, the, you know, in this tournament, Denmark will have to face tough game after tough game after tough game. But I think they can win it all. Absolutely easily they can win it all. And I was trying to think of a weakness with this team. And for years, we used to say that, oh, their right back position was a little bit weak. That was the only thing we could point to. And then upturns Matthias Gitzel, one of the most exciting players in the world right now. So what, what, what do we look for in a weakness now? Do you have any, Chris? Well, look, uh, France managed to stop him in the final of the Olympics for a reason. And that's something we spoke about at the time as well, that, uh, you know, he is amazing. And even as you can see in the trivia there, that he, he was our men's handball player of the year for last year, which Brian and I really fought hard for. But you at the time, I mean, you, you did mention that, particularly in that Olympic final, uh, he was able to be stopped. And we have to also remember that this Denmark team got knocked out in the first round two years ago of the Euro. So they're not always perfect. And it's it's very hard to see past them. And I'll be surprised if, you know, more than two of our guests tonight predict anyone but Denmark to win the goal because it is kind of the, the obvious one to go for. But, you know, you can't can't say that it's uh, it's impossible for them to be stopped. It's hard to see, though, where exactly they do get stopped. And, and so in that sense, I understand there's no standout weakness for them. Yeah, I think uh, it's really tough to look past Denmark and we'll be speaking about them quite a lot. But they 
have in the past and even in the qualification campaigns dropped a game or two once in a while. They, they lost to Montenegro before. Um, they've, you know, squeezed out results against a team that would probably seem inferior. And I think North Macedonia themselves are probably a little bit of a banana skin for uh, this Denmark team. So maybe we can uh, chat about them a little bit with probably one of the weirdest uh, situations I've seen in like top, top level sports where we have um, Kirill Lazarov as the captain and coach. So how much do you think that, uh, Brian, how much do you think he's going to actually play in this tournament or do you think he'll take on the coaching role more? I, it's very hard to know because I think we don't really see that this that often uh, in handball. So this is like a little bit of an experiment, I think, by the Macedonian Handball Federation. And it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be a movie like where he's at the, at the start of the game, he's wearing his full tracksuit. And then if they're losing, you see him rip off the tracksuit and go on and do his classic Lazarov stuff. So it is, it is kind of in itself quite epic that he's doing this. And he took this on. Um, because even doing timeouts when you're playing, I think it's quite a difficult thing to, to organize. Um, but yeah, like they, they have what one thing, one thing which Lazarov has done is he's tried to put a focus on the younger players coming through because I think Macedonia over the last few years were getting stuck a little bit in a rut. So I think his focus now is on the younger players and he wants them now to step up at this tournament. And if they can step up, maybe we'll see another upset. I'm not sure they'll beat Denmark again, but uh, they might uh, cause an upset in the other two matches. I think, but Montenegro also um, seem to be a team that maybe we, everyone's overlooking a bit. Um, they're always a tough opponent uh, and they have some good players. Um, do, do you see Montenegro being a challenge for any of the teams in this championship. Yeah, well, I think when when we have a look at the the Montenegro graphic here, uh, I have to. I don't want to be po- poking too many holes in uh, in your research here, Alex. But the goalkeeper position, and you know, Naboisa Simic, I think he's going to be in the squad. Now, I'm not too sure that that's always the issue. I mean, uh, particularly with the the build up to this Euro. When the, you know, on the Euro handball preview, he's in there, but on Wikipedia, he's not. We'll find out in a couple of days. It's always hard to know exactly. But if they do have Naboisa Simic in the squad, uh, and that makes a huge difference because he is a top goalkeeper. He plays for MT Melsungen, uh, used to play for a Christianstad before that in, in Sweden. And he, there was a while, a while where they thought that he was actually going to stop playing for Montenegro altogether. And maybe switch nationalities, but uh, he decided in the end to stick with them. And uh, if they manage to pull off something, uh, it'll be the likes of him. And you have there uh, Branko Vujovic, who's a very talented uh, right back as well. So they, they need players like that to have a huge day. They have, as you mentioned, had some surprise results over the years, but at the Euro, they haven't quite been able to pull it off. So I, I find it hard for them to uh, find it hard to imagine them getting into the top two here. And uh, as we look at the predictions here, we'll see exactly what we thought. Does any of us have Montenegro winning game? That's an easy one to start with. And I don't think any of us do. <laughs> no, 
No, we don't, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, but I have them, you know, being fairly close. I do have them picking up a point. I'm not. I'm not uh, totally giving up on them just yet. Okay. Where do you have? Oh them? yeah, you oh, do. No. You do yeah. against Macedonia. Uh, sure. But I think the yeah, yeah. the game that you also have a, a second draw, Brian, and that is Slovenia to take a point away from Denmark. How? Why? Why is that? This was a hot take. I wanted a hot take <laughs> in there, and this is how much I think that Denmark are ahead of everybody else. I, this is as hot as it gets that I think <laughs> they might draw a game and might be their only chink in the armor for the whole tournament. But I think <laughs> Slovenia getting them in the preliminary round. Slovenia like to cause upsets. I think they play very fast. I I could see them, you know, roughing out, as 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 Gajic said in the interview, roughing up Denmark a little bit and maybe squeezing out a draw against them when maybe Denmark aren't flying on all cylinders. So let's see. Yeah, it's one thing I didn't um, go into when we discussed Slovenia, and it may be a bit of a secret weapon for them throughout the tournament, and that is their 5-1 defense with uh, Blas Jans in that um, roaming position in the front. We've seen that be really effective um, in the past for the Slovenian team, and maybe that's a way that they can disrupt uh, Denmark's quite, let's say, methodical style, where you know Denmark do like to move a bit slower, move the ball around, and then go really fast. But if there's Jans looking to steal the ball, that might disrupt them a little bit. That's maybe something that Slovenia can do. It's hard to see it though, isn't it? I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you know, Brian has gone big here with this draw between Slovenia and Denmark. And I've got to give you credit there also for putting your bonus ball on it as well, which is, uh, is really setting you up. And oh, yeah. uh, for those of you who are going to join us and compete against us in the, uh, in the prediction league, uh, you can see the, the blue balls beside the scores. They're games that we've put our bonus balls on. You have five of them in this round. Uh, which will give you extra points if you get it right. So Brian is really going all out here, hoping for a draw between Slovenia uh, and Denmark. Uh, there's there's someone in the chat here that's calling out Alex, saying, Alex, you've predicted Macedonia to beat Denmark 37-28. I think uh, maybe something went a little bit wrong there, Alex. <laughs> you've been Alex, being Denmark's biggest fanboy ever. You can maybe tell us what happened there. <laughs> Uh, all I'm saying is Kirill Lazarov, it's going to be his last ever game for Macedonia. <laughs> They're going to be about to be knocked down. He's going to come on, score 20 goals, take off that beautiful left arm of his, leave it on the court and walk off into the sunset. Or more realistically, that was a bit of a mistake. And I see Denmark destroying <laughs> Macedonia. <laughs> well, he's going to do a Kobe Bryant on it. Last game, just give him the ball over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would put money on um, Kirill Lazarov playing 60 minutes in that last game just to run off into the sunset. Time will tell. Time will tell. I think, uh, I think it's time to move on from Group A uh, because we're still we're just a little bit behind time now, which is not bad going considering uh, the dodgy technical start we had. But uh, we'll try and catch up now as we, we go on to Group B. And Alex, this is one that... Uh, you're taking the lead with again maybe you can introduce it before we go into the first video yeah definitely i think this is a group that's going to have a lot of interest uh primarily because we have one of the hosts hungry being um you know really hyped up by the handball community you know we, we've been seeing a few predictions come through um 
or through Twitter, Instagram, people generally have a very high opinion of Hungary. And that's, I suppose that's an opinion we all had before going into a tournament. And maybe we thought we were a little bit special having this outsider view, but it seems like Hungary are turning into a bit of a metal favorite for this competition. Um, which is probably a bit difficult to see based on their previous performances, but it really gives, um, puts a lot of weight on that home advantage, the huge crowds that they're expected to have at their games to push them through. But they don't have an easy group. Um, Portugal, Iceland and Netherlands join them in that group. And really, um, I, I see a lot of, um, a lot of things that can happen in this group between those top three teams. I think uh, a lot of us probably believe that Netherlands will be outsiders, but again, they have some great players like Luke Steins who can really turn a game. But I think Hungary will have trouble with both Iceland and Portugal. Um, Portugal are probably an interesting team to go into and we will have Marcio Menino joining us to speak about their, you know, rise to kind of a, a top European handball team coming from the ashes, but let's see how they got there. In 2016, when I arrived in the national team, my sensation is, okay, we have good players. They know handball, but uh, we don't believe in ourselves. Was I think more than ten years without going to the to a big tournament for Portugal. The biggest job was to convince them that it's possible to do better. My mother was a player, and after player she was a coach. With fifteen, I was playing Champions League, so for me it was amazing. I am a playmaker, and I need to lead them, and they also help me. So we are a group. When we beat France, this first game in Euro, it was fantastic. It was the first Euro for almost in every one of of the team. We have this skill group because we have Norway and France and us and also Bosnia. We beat France and. When we win this game, we start to think that we can beat uh, every team. It was really, I think, the day when we changed the, the ship. more and more in ourselves. We saw that we have uh, the quality to, to be on this stage. The teams that uh, play against us now, maybe they, they take a little bit more consideration. They know that it will be a tough match. For us it's very good, because this is respect. For sure we can, we can fight with anything. We have a lot of players with quality. We believe in ourselves and for me this is the, the big step. I think it was just the beginning. It's a big motivation, thinking about him, the great things that uh, he did for us, not just sportive, but like a friend. He will be always with us, but we must continue. This, we can't stop. Every competition that we go, we will play for him and we will try to win for him. So we need to go game by game, step by step and achieve uh, something big. That was a nice look at the Portuguese side. And now to talk about Portugal, we have Dr. Beach. 
Handball himself, you on Twitch will know. <laughs> For the next few weeks, going to be Dr. Handball. He's going to be a mobile reporter at EHF Euro 2022. And I believe, Marcio, you're already in Budapest. Hello, everybody. Yes, Chris, it's true. I'm already in Budapest. Uh, right now, this is my uh, ho- my room, my hotel room. And I'm talking here with you guys. And uh, I'm glad that I accepted this this invitation to be with you. It's always a pleasure. That's lovely to have you on. Brilliant to have you on, Marcio. Um, I, I'll always remember our chat at 2020, where uh, Portugal got that famous victory to progress to the the main round, and you're almost shaking with excitement for and speaking for half an hour straight, just about how excited you were. I suppose what made that special is because Portugal, it was a surprise at the time. Now there's a bit of ex- expectations on this Portuguese team to at least make it through the preliminary round. How do you think Portugal are dealing with that kind of expectation? Usually, uh, Alex, usually we say that it's easy to reach the top. The worst thing is maintaining the top and to be on that. And like you said, right now, Portugal, uh, people now demand from Portugal that they go up and they stay up especially in the country, we still go like, yeah, um, yeah, so we finished sixth, so I think that maybe this time we can go for medals. Uh, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works in a, in a small country as Portugal. But I think that uh, this team is, is ready for that. Um, many of them already have international, uh, international experience on the club, but also in the national team. There are new faces, but a couple of new faces have been together with this team during the previous tournament's preparations. So they know what to expect. And the kids, the new ones, not only kids, but the new ones, already know what they're expected to do. And I think the, the team is ready to you know, maintain those expectations. I think it's fair to say that maybe Portugal were quite badly hit by injuries leading into this uh, Euro. Uh, if people like, when we think of the success of the last year, you think of people like Pedro Partella, you think of Andre Gomez, you think of Luis Frade, none of, none of whom will be here this time out. How do you see them coping without these big names this time? Well, uh, some of them are c- kind of like harder uh, to cope with, especially because when you talk with uh, Portugal, especially in defense, we have this strong central defense. Uh, usually we do exert too much from the line players such as Salina, such as uh, Itoriza, Alexis, Frade. And this time we don't have Frade and we don't have Alexis. So two of the biggest uh, of the biggest guys we have in the roster cannot come to the Euro. Um, we're going with uh, Tiago Rocha and also to with Tiago with uh, Tiago Souza, the, the youngster. Um, Rocha, we already know him. He has a lot of international experience, so he knows what what to do, especially in the in the attack. But on defense, I think it, it will be uh, the the biggest problem for us is to maintain that uh, central block with only three players instead of four. Um, but hopefully Paulo has prepared something. Paulo has prepared something for that, and we can we can manage that. On the right side, uh, although we lost Portela, and Portela is known for his efficiency, he's a guy that can score like five out of five, six out of six, and um, and he's very good on defense, also very uh, focused. But right now we have this uh, two youngs. Which one uh, win? Uh, one is Francisco Tavares. He's playing in sport. A great performance, like you. 
usually he scores a lot of goals with the team. He's MVP every every week or something, something like this. So in attack, we'll we'll we'll, we'll totally okay defensively. It adds to depend on what the approach will be from Paulo. If he wants to manage the team, always for like provoke them to go to the central block, so where we are stronger, or we will allow them to go to the wings and just hope that the the goalkeepers just uh, you know save them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's always hard, especially when you have this uh, tremendous talent that is Andre Gomes. He went to Melsungen, as everybody knows. He's playing Bundesliga now and. He has this injury, which is totally normal. And uh, after playing so many games, and in uh, in this adapting moment, because this is his first season in the Bundesliga, first months, so it's a, a different uh, physical approach. Um, but I think we will manage. We will manage, uh, despite not having Andre Gomes. We have Salvador Salvador, who is a youngster, a very strong youngster. He can play. Uh, he can play as a left back or he can play as a center back or maybe as a line player he's done he's done it like for many years before playing only as a left back so he knows what to do so i think we, we i think paulo uh, was able to find the, the the right players to to cope with those uh, those ones that can go salvador salvador so good they named him twice huh <laughs> 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 but Marcio, come here. You you're very oh, calm yes. now, talking about all of this. Which I don't. I hope you don't mind me saying. Uh, a week or so ago, you were writing to me uh, in a bit of a panic about how screwed this team was uh, because you really weren't <laughs> feeling confident uh, with all no, of the news, no. and it's understandable. And, and you know, you're talking about kids here in the team, and when you look at it, it's not just saying you know, twenty five, twenty six year olds. You've got like 11 uh, players in 19. this squad who haven't even played 10 matches for the national team. So it is really like all of a sudden this, this whole new generation of players are going to get this experience. It's amazing in the long run. But right now for this these coming weeks, I think like the, the expectations have to be dampened a little bit. Do you get that feeling from within the Portuguese handball community that the pressure is off a little bit now? If if you talk about people that know about handball, yes, totally agree. Uh, there's this uh, momentum that we had, like we said, that we we felt like okay, we can go up against any of the team and uh, we can do like a great match against them and do some surprises and uh, win matches and all. Uh, but for others that, like you said, we have youngsters, not even ten international games with the with the national team. Uh, some of them have been playing like U20 or something. Some of them like 19, 20 years old, never been on a, on an international competition as the Euro is. And um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, you go like, okay, we cannot expect that much from them. But thing is for sure, these are brave kids because every time they step up in the in the in the clubs, they do perform and they overcome you know the obstacles. So I think that maybe in the beginning they'll, they'll need some guidance, some uh, you know, some experience from the veterans saying, "Okay, guys, chill. They're not bigger than you guys. They may seem bigger, but they're not bigger than you guys. So you can do this." I think they'll they'll need a, a little bit of guts on that on the, those approach, especially on the attack because defense. It's you, you know what it is. Everybody just wants to beat someone, 
but uh, on the attack you don't get you don't want to get beat you don't want to go there and just you know like get smashed because uh yeah you can get you can get badly injured if you if you hit hard but um i think these kids are uh, i think this would not be the best tournament for them but hopefully they can learn a lot from the from this tournament and maybe grow uh, faster than they supposed to and the first game that they play is against Iceland, uh, which is a really tough game. And I think it can define um, Portugal's tournament, really. Um, how confident are you going into that game uh, as a big Portuguese fan? Actually, I'm very confident. I'm, I, I think oh. it's the most confident game that I have. I'm not so confident against Hungary. I'm not so confident against the Netherlands because we were the underdogs. <laughs> And Netherlands, although this is like the second tournament they come, but you know, this there's always something. There's always a surprise coming from a, from a, a team like Netherlands. And Hungary, well, they play home. You know, they're strong. We beat them at the last Euro, but the, we knew that they were completely like tired. They were like too tired to play that game already because they like they did a lot of on that on that tournament and. But I think I think against Iceland, I, I think it's the most confident game that I have. And I think that, it's like you said, Alex, if we beat Iceland, and I think we're going to be, beat them, not by much, maybe one goal, probably just one goal. But be, by beating Iceland, I think we have like uh, the, the confidence, the enough confidence to, to go through to the main round. And I think that's the main objective right now. And that's the only objective that Paulo has, is go through the main round. And he said it already first objective main round after main round okay now we change it now we go for other other stuff half a goal is all you need half a goal half a goal that's all what you need half a goal <laughs> brilliant so marcio thanks for joining us but before you go of course ask you who are your gold silver and bronze and your mvp for the tournament so on previous tournaments I went to Spain, <laughs> and I won. We're not asking for a story, Marcia. Come on. <laughs> Give us three no, games. No, no. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go. I think I'll go with, uh, I think I'll go with uh, France on third, third place. Maybe, and I have this boost of confidence because Germany has new, new a new team. I'll go with Germany on second, and Denmark will win. Okay. Okay. And MVP. Hopefully, Rui Silva, <laughs> but it's not possible, probably. <laughs> no, but uh, I would love to be a Portuguese player, actually, but uh, I don't know. Um, MVP, I think I'll go for a goalkeeper. I'll go for uh, London. Thank you, Marcio. Thank Take you very much. Thanks a lot for See you guys. joining, Take Marcio. Care. I think we'll move on from Portugal and see how... Yeah, let, let's keep it on Portugal for, for a little bit. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go on to Hungary, shall we? Let's go to Hungary. Yeah. On, let's yeah, go let's around. go. They, uh, they are the best fans in the world. I think the best. <laughs> yes, they, they are always behind us. They, they are always pushing us. They always give their best. Everybody will fight with us.
have pressure a lot. And if we can uh, play with this pressure and it can help us, then we can step one more up. So I hope they will be crazy like us and uh, together we can do everything. Twenty thousand people. It will be hard for me too. Uh, after I don't know how many matches, but for them, for the young guys, uh, it will be really difficult. Look, I'm I'm 37 years old, and uh, I thought maybe I should I should stop my handball career in national team. When you wear this jersey and uh, when you play this, these guys, I got new uh, power in the team. They respect me, I'm, I'm the captain of this team and, and it's, it's, it's really, really good feeling. And we want to win every next match. So we would like to go step by step. win the European Championship because if everybody knows that in handball, the European Championship is the strongest competition. We have crazy fans. We have the hype building for Hungary. We have young players like Dominic Mate, Bense Banhidi stepping into their prime at a home championship, will Hungary do it? And by do it, I mean maybe get a medal. What do you think, Brian? <laughs> I think if they're they're ever going to do it, this has to be their year. I mean, but we know from experience that being a host of a Euro does not mean any type of success. Um, Sweden were the only host nation to ever win the Euro. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything just because you're hosting it. And this time out for Hungary, it's going to be a lot of extra pressure with all the new stadiums that they've built. Um, they have a very young squad, which I think is probably going to be a good thing for them. The average age of 25. They've started this rebuilding process back in 2019. And now I think it's finally starting to come to fruition. I think those three people in that video, if they have special tournaments, so Matalakai, Bensa Benhidi and Roland Mickler, if they have a special tournament, which we know they can, because we've seen them perform at different stages in their career, unbelievable. If they can do that this time out, I really do think they can win a medal. Um, and they're looking in pretty good shape at the moment. They had a friendly against Bahrain. They had a bit of a hairy first half, but they put that behind them. And I think they could be a really, really dangerous side for to be reckoned with this time out. We have crazy fans. We have the hype building for Hungary. We have young players like Dominic Mate, Bense Banhidi stepping into their prime at a home championship. Will Hungary do it? And by do it, I mean maybe get a medal. What do you think, Brian? <laughs> I think if they're, they're ever going to do it, this has to be their year. I mean, but we know from experience that being a host of a Euro does not mean any type of success. Um, Sweden were the only host nation to ever win the Euro. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything just because you're hosting it. And this time out for Hungary, it's going to be a lot of extra pressure with all the new stadiums that they've built. 
Um, they have a very young squad, which I think is probably going to be a good thing for them. The average age of 25. They've started this rebuilding process back in 2019. And now I think it's finally starting to come to fruition. I think those <laughs> three people in that video, if they have special tournaments, so Matalakai, Benza Benhidi, and Roland Mickler, if they have a special tournament, which we know they can, because we've seen them perform at different stages in their career, unbelievable. If they can do that this time out, I really do think they can win a medal. Um, and they're looking in pretty good shape at the moment. They had a, a friendly against Bahrain. They had a bit of a hairy first half, but they put that behind them. And I think they could be a really, really dangerous side for to be reckoned with this time out. I, I do see them really making an impact on this tournament. And, you know, there's one thing about being hosts, and then there's another thing about being hosts in Hungary in massive arenas with ravenous fans. I think we've seen that with Hungarian teams in the Champions League where they're absolute, you know, they're an absolutely different team at home. And I think this could be the case with Hungary. But at the same time, I can see them being knocked out in the first group stage because I, I truly believe that Portugal are a great team and Iceland are really a team to watch out for. Iceland are probably a team that have flown a little bit under the radar, but they have a very strong team and a new superstar coming out of the works in Omar Ingi Magnussen. Do you think he might be the, the, the player to kind of ignite this Iceland team and get them past? Um, their usual stages. <laughs> the, the usual stages being like the mid-table. Is that what you mean? Like main round and, and then knocked out? Being like, yeah, kind of just, you know, losing really close games against the top teams and being a real nuisance to everyone, but yeah, at the end of the day, not being a real contender. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good question, and uh, Magnussen has been fantastic this season. And uh, any fans of the podcast will know that I'm a big uh, well, I'm not going to say a Magdeburg fan, but I've been predicting them to win things for years, and it looks like they're finally going to do that. Magnussen has been a huge part of that. Actually, funnily enough, alongside uh, Kai Smits uh, at right back, the two of them for this Magdeburg team, uh, Kai Smits who plays for the Netherlands, and. Iceland, when you look at their squad, I mean, you can't take anything for granted, of course, but they do have, you know, the likes of Aaron Palmerson, who's finally fit. And it seems like Palmerson is never fit for this team. Uh, is he ever fit at all? That's uh, a question uh, I don't know the answer to. But if you have the likes of Palmerson and Magnussen, who is fully fit, I really like the goalkeepers they have in this team. You know, in particular, uh, Victor Gisley Halgrimson, who's playing for Gyogi. And I think he's, uh, he's a brilliant player. He, uh, you know, they need the goalkeepers to have a huge tournament. If they can do that, uh, or huge games in the first place, if they can do that, yeah, they, they could beat Hungary on their day, uh, as could Portugal. So I get what you mean by that, Alex, but, uh, that's not the way I predicted. <laughs> uh, again, this is one of those uh, things that happened to me where I was going through game by game and the group unfolded in a way that maybe I wasn't expecting. And I think we, we shouldn't ignore the Netherlands as a potential 
Spanern works for any of these teams, I think they have the potential to, you know, pull out a performance and at least get a draw against one of the teams. And it's a team that is probably new to the men's side of the handball world, but in their second European Championship, um, they, they're probably out to prove a point that they're not just here to compete, but let's see how they got there. We don't have stars in the team. We don't have really big names. We are a small country that we are really doing it together. This is, I think, the main strength of our team. We have a really ambitious and hungry group. The chemistry is really good. It has been a really fun road the last couple of years. Towards the middle, beautifully done. Of course, the success of the women team also helped us to dream a little bit bigger and to see what is possible in handball with a little country like uh, Holland. It's unbelievable to think about this year's a world champion, and that's like a boy's dream to look her achieving that makes me incredibly proud to be honest we're not close to that right now but you never should stop dreaming also like show that we have the confidence and we also don't need to be in the underdog role all the time we also have to start trusting ourselves and believing in ourselves I think it's really typical Dutch to wear an orange jersey and it's always a big honor to put it on and fight for a victory on the field. Now we've showed a couple of times in the last couple of years that we can beat the big teams. We are better as a team now as we Clarence, do you hear me? So that's why we of course want to make the next step and that's to reach the next phase in the tournament. I think a lot to expect from the Netherlands at this championship because especially some of their big stars like Luke Steins and Casemates have really become household names in club handball, which is fantastic. So I do see them um, causing an upset potentially against any team in this group as long as they keep it together for 60 minutes. That's, you know, this is the level of team where, you know, they can put in 40 good minutes, but their physicality, their size might just wane as the game goes on and the more experienced teams are able to um, go through. But um, maybe we'll go into our predictions from this and see if, let's again, let's see if we, see, we have the Netherlands squeaking out any victories. Nah. <laughs> I, I, I gave... <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... I put them I put them down actually to draw with Portugal in the last game of the group. And I think that's actually Marcio was kind of on the the same lines there as well. He he did fear uh the Dutch somehow and I think the the clash of styles there will be really interesting uh, to actually give the Netherlands a chance. Besides that, I have them down for two two goal losses. So I think they will be there or thereabouts. And I seem to be the only one who truly believes in Iceland and uh, pick them to beat Portugal. 
What do you think, Brian? You, you, you think it'll be a close game, but you're still favoring this weekend Portugal team? It's it's funny you ask me that because I went back because we had a we had a, an Excel document when we were creating this uh, these predictions. I went back to that score individually, I think four times, and changed it over and back, and I kept changing my mind on it. And now looking at it, I'm not so sure anymore. Now I'm back thinking it might be actually be Iceland again. And when Marcia was talking, I was like, no, Portugal, of course. I think Portugal kind of have Iceland's number. They beat them in, in qualification. We know what they did last time out. But then at the same time, if Aaron Parmelson is fit, and like Chris said, if he is fit. I, I don't know. I'm so over and back, but I'm, I've, I've made my commitment here to Portugal. So it's Portugal from here on out. I have big, big hopes for Iceland. And I, I was very close to making that last game against Hungary go into Iceland's favor or at least a draw. But I think, yeah, the home crowd will, will get Hungary through. Yeah. Any, any other big predictions there that uh, you're surprised about, Alex? I think in general, we, we all predict a, a very close group and it, it will be a group to look out for. But a lot of groups in this competition may be close groups. We all kind of mentioned how Hungary could be in danger here, but at the end, we all see them basically going through uh, with maximum points, I believe. Yeah. And uh, Alex, you have them really close there, but we're, we're keeping faith with this Hungarian team, which I think yeah, could be the wise thing to do. Uh, at least before the championship uh, starts. Uh, we'll um, we'll go into Group C in just a moment because I believe we have our guests ready to go. But just a reminder that the reason we're showing you these predictions here and putting our necks on the chopping block, in, uh, so to speak, is because we want you to uh, do it as well. We want you to download the Home of Fanball app and join our prediction league. You can see the bit.ly link there at the bottom of the screen. So uh, type that in and get involved with our league and uh, there'll be chances for you to win some prizes. Also, make sure that you comment your prediction to win the entire championship in the chat here. And there is a signed jersey of the team that you predict to win uh, to be given out at the end of the show. So that was part one of our huge preview, A and B covered. We go into C and D next. That'll be available tomorrow on the podcast stream, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you are listening for the first time, you're very welcome. Make sure you subscribe and you'll hear from us again tomorrow. Tomorrow.